Welcome to the Refined Collective Podcast. I'm your host, Kat Harris, and I'm just so glad you're here. This podcast is designed to dig below the surface. We're going to talk about everything from life to love and pretty much everything in between. So go ahead and leave that Superman cape of having it all together at the door because life is freaking messy. Don't I know it. Now, not only are we going to be real, we're going to have some fun too, because Lord knows I will find any excuse to bring up Beyonce or the latest episode of The Bachelorette. So if you're a new friend, welcome. Make sure you're subscribed to the Refined Collective podcast on iTunes. And if you're an old friend, welcome back. And would you do me a quick favor? Hop on over to iTunes, leave us a five-star rating and written review. I would be so grateful. Finally, if something stands out to you in this episode, go on and slide into my DMs on Instagram. I love hearing from you. It's at The Refined Woman. Now let's go ahead and get to it. Welcome to another episode of The Refined Collective Podcast. I am your host, Kat Harris. And first and foremost, I want to give a special thank you and shout out to Newsstand Studio here at Rockefeller Center in Manhattan, New York for sponsoring my podcast, letting me be in this Gosh, just schmancy pants of a studio. I feel like such a big girl here getting to record my podcast. So Newsstand Studios, thank you so, so much. And before we get started, I have one more thing I wanted to chat with you about. I recently launched a new resource on my website. It's called Ask a Coaching Question. It's basically my version of Ask Me Anything. And here's why I did it. So Every day on Instagram, I get between two and 300 DMs with questions about relationship advice, dating coaching, theology questions, and I have tried so long to just answer all of those, and I just can't anymore. I can't answer all of them, but I know that not all people can afford or have the access to hire me for an hour-long coaching call. So enter in, ask a coaching question. Basically, you fill out this form on my website and I will send you a custom and personalized voice memo to your email answering your question. I'm super excited about it. I feel like it's, I think it's a really good idea. I hope you enjoy it. You can go to therefinedwoman.com slash shop to check it out. All right, now on to today's show. I am very excited. We have author of Fighting Forward, Hannah Brencher, a blogger, TED speaker, which, oh my gosh, what an accomplishment. That's so cool. Also, she's a mega entrepreneur. She founded The World Needs More Love Letters, a global community dedicated to sending letter bundles to those who need encouragement. Named as one of the White House's women working to do good. um, Hello, that's amazing. Are you friends with Michelle Obama? I need to know. And she's a spokesperson for the United States Postal Service. Hannah has been featured in the Wall Street Journal, Oprah, Glamour, USAToday.com, the Chicago Tribune, and more. You can find Hannah at hannahbrencher.com. All right, Hannah, welcome. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. I've been so excited to get to finally like oh chat gosh. with you out, outside of voice memos, Seriously. which I know are your, our, your, our favorite. Oh, my gosh. Instagram voice memos. It's why I wanted to do that coaching question thing because I love voice memos. So here we are. We're we're taking our Instagram voice memo into a podcast episode (laughs) and I'm very excited. Also, first of all, 
Are you friends with Michelle Obama and Oprah? I wish. No. <laughs> Editors, maybe, but... <laughs> you're you're still... Like, that. you're, like, one degree of separation, then. It's very <laughs> impressive. So. Thank you. <laughs> How does it feel? How does it feel to be one degree separated from Michelle Obama? It's amazing. It's <laughs> the greatest feeling. <laughs> I'm so jealous. Um... Okay, so also another thing that I love that you are a part of, you are a part of my favorite podcast. And I do not say that lightly. You're a part of A Meditative Story. I have like fangirled on you a thousand times about it. And I remember listening to an episode and I was like, I feel like that's Hannah. And it totally was you. I reached out to you about it. And I know you also do some writing for them. But can I ask you some like inner details of the Meditative Story podcast? Yeah, I mean, I'll answer what I can <laughs> for sure. <laughs> okay, so I cannot nap. Like, okay, okay. I've never been a napper. I, I mean, my poor mother, even as a toddler, she was like, you just didn't sleep. And now as an adult, I'll be so tired in the middle of the day and can't nap. But then I found a meditative story. And I don't know what sort of magic potion they have in their episodes. But I press play and... And you fall asleep. Yeah. And then it's like Rowan at the end is like, and now you have reached the end. And I'm like, what <laughs> happened? I think it's him. I think it's What his are they voice. doing to me? I I mean, it's a very I remember when it first launched, I was at a conference where they were launching it, which is how I even got in touch with them. And um and I remember being like, I'm so intrigued by this concept. Mm. Like, will this concept work you know and it has like a 200 percent listen through rate or something wow. because people listen all the way through and like you said like people listen to it to like decompress from their commute or mm-hmm. like you're the first person that i've talked to that like takes a nap to it i think that's really? amazing but um i don't know i just think it's the way in which they like coach you through telling your story like the the way that they set it up and structure it, like as a writer, like it's, it, it really is meant to take you to a different place. And I think that that is the heart of being able to relax is yeah. to be able to kind of escape a little bit from mm-hmm. like what's going on in your world. Right. But they're, they're a fantastic, great team to work with. Oh my gosh. I am. I just love them. So I have a membership to the Calm app and I pay for it, but honestly, meditative story is better. I um, sorry if Calm ever wants to sponsor my podcast. <laughs> um, okay, so yes, totally love meditative story. Okay, another thing. So I just have all these things I want to talk to you about because I've been wanting to chat with you for so long that I just have like a list of questions to ask you. I love you. it. I love it. So I am always looking for evidence. I my friend Mia Fields. She calls it like gathering evidence of what God's what what God is able to do in our lives. And I know that you have a testimony about meeting your husband through online dating. Amen. Yes. I'm such an advocate Come for on. online dating. Let's hear the story. I, okay. So I will say it was not without having to go through the fires of whatever Christian judgment came <laughs> upon me because that sadly, like there is still a stigma. I don't understand why to like online dating. Like I still get a lot of messages from people that are like, oh my gosh, I've not been able to push myself to go online and mm. to date somebody that way. Cause I don't know if that's like 
something God wants me to do. And to me, I look at it and I'm like, okay, like we met online. That's where the story started. And that's where it ended. You know, Mm -hmm. like we had a completely normal relationship. We just happened to meet on a dating app that what I love about dating apps is that like, not everybody is like serious about it, but for the most part, like if you are looking to date, then like that is actually like that, that confusion is cut out of the conversation, right? Like you're either on there to date or you're not, and you can figure that out pretty quickly. So for me, um, I did a lot of online dating before I met my husband. So I say that like I did it in the right way and I did it in all the wrong ways. Mm. Um, so for a long time, I will say that I did online dating because there was like a hole in me that I wanted to fill, you know, mm. like I felt like I wanted to be married. I wanted to meet somebody. And I think the the hard part about online dating sites is that you have endless options. It's like walking into like an ice cream store and there's like a thousand different flavors. And so if you're not careful, you're just going to want to like keep talking to people and keep scrolling. That's how they design the apps to work. And so I did that for a period of my life where like, I felt like what I really needed to do was figure out who I was and what I brought to the table. And instead I just went out on a lot of dates, some good and some awful, but like, even if I were to meet a really great guy at that time, like I would have, I wouldn't have been ready for it. You know, like he may have been ready, but like I wasn't ready. And so, um, the time that I went on the dating app and I met my husband, it's funny. Cause I remember my friend told me about this app called hinge and I heard about it on new year's day of 2015 and I downloaded it for like maybe two hours and <laughs> then I deleted it. Cause I was like, no, 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 Hannah you're not dating anybody right now. Like you just, you need to take a break. You need to chill. Like I was actually going through depression at that time. Mm -hmm. So it's like, why would I invite somebody else into that? Like that was not what somebody signed up for if they swiped right on my profile. (laughs) Um, And so I waited another nine months before I got on the app again. And at that point I felt really like ready to date. And I felt pretty sure that like the person I was meant to date, like wasn't in my friend group. Mm -hmm. And I have like a very creative friend group and I just knew I didn't really want to be with somebody that was really creative like me. I thought that that might be just like too intense of a relationship, you know? And so I always had this dream that I was going to meet an accountant. My (laughs) therapist was like, please let that dream die. Like you just, you need to let it die. But I held on to it and um, I downloaded Hinge. I got on the app and I remember I matched up with Lane and I was like, this guy is so cute. I'm going to date this guy. And I waited like 24 hours to like have him say something and he didn't say anything. So then I was like, okay, I have to take this into my own hands. (laughs) And I crafted a message off of the icebreakers that Hinge gives you, which is not a good idea, but I did it (laughs) and it worked. So what are you going to do about it? And um, I... I reached out and I said, like, there's some really tempting icebreakers that I could use on you. And all he said back was, try me. That's all he said. Like, not hi, hello, just try me. So I was like, okay. I was like, what is your like, life? Shoot. <laughs> I was like, what is your life story in five emojis? That was the, <laughs> that was the question. And he literally sent back five emojis. That was it. Like nothing more. 
So then I have to get really creative and I'm like, okay, well, what you don't know about me is that I am a world-class emoji interpreter. And so I'm going to tell you a little bit about your life. And I (laughs) proceed to write this story for him and then tell him he has to do the same for me. And so I finally broke him. We started talking back and forth. And like 10 days later, we went out on our first date and uh, we both ended up deleting the apps after like the second date. Wow. That's amazing. (laughs) And also, I feel like I definitely want to use that icebreaker because sometimes I can be so lame. I'm like, oh, what's your favorite Beyonce song? And can just be so weird. I love that. That's so good. Okay. And I think what's important to acknowledge in your story is you didn't just go on one date with one guy and download the app one time to meet your person. And I think what can happen so often, just how we can go to the gym once and be like, so do I have a six pack or what? We download the dating app and scroll through it once or twice and make a story that says this doesn't work or Mm -hmm. I can't meet the type of guy that I am looking for online, whether it's there aren't attractive guys on here. There's only nerdy guys. There's guys that don't share my faith, whatever is the narrative or even being stuck in, in my, in my, in our own preconceived notions of, Oh, I want to be with an accountant. When you said that, I was like, that is so me because I am can kind of be all over the place that I always felt as though I really wanted someone who just had a nine to five. (laughs) Well, and he is an accountant. No way. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Wow. You want to know, it's so funny what you just said. Like, okay. So like 10 years ago when I had first started my blog, um, I remember writing this blog post and I look back and I'm like, Hannah, what were you doing? Like, what were you thinking? And it was about how like, I won't meet my husband online. Like I'm going to meet him somewhere like aisle seven of the grocery store because (laughs) my life is meant to be a Hallmark movie, you know? And I remember this has stuck with me ever since this one girl reached out to me and she, she had this really poignant response of like, well, I met my husband online and like, just because I met him online, like our story isn't any different. It's any, it isn't any less valuable. And that was like a gut check for me because I think so often we're like, oh, but like, it's not the same as like meeting in real life or like meeting at church or like, we think we're just going to hit somebody in the middle of a pandemic, you know, like we just bump into each other on the road. And Mm -hmm. like, that's not the way that our world operates anymore. And we are entirely way too distracted with Mm. what's going on on our phones to even have those opportunities to meet people organically. And so what's wrong with a tool that helps you to meet? But I like always preface by saying like, you gotta be able to take it off the apps. Like if the Mm. person wants to just keep you in the dating app, like that's a red flag right there. Like Lane was very much like, I may have reached out first, but like, he asked me on the first date, like he asked for my number, like he really took the reins in the initiative. And I think to me, it's like a give and take, like you both have to show up to the table and both Mm -hmm. be interested. But like, if you just are living in this perpetual app world where like you just talk at the end of every night, like that's not a relationship at the end of the day. Absolutely. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And actually in my dating profile, in one of the comment sections, 
I have multiple apps. I always put no pen pals, please. Looking for no a committed relationship. I love that. I'm like, you know, I'm just, I just want to be, I think the more clear that we are and the more we yep. know what we want, we attract what we put out there. And so, yeah, so I'm true. like, uh-uh. Yes, we can talk for a few days back and forth, but let's get in person. And I love, I love what you're talking about in the sense of, I mean, yes, wouldn't it be amazing if... I met my person on the subway and we both are reading the same book. And, (laughs) you know, I mean, I, I love, I love the holiday cheesy movies. I love anything with Matthew McConaughey and Kate Hudson. I love all of them. But I think what can happen is we become so attached to a Hollywood version of love. And then we put spiritual language around it of, Mm -hmm. well, I don't want to take things out of God's hands. I don't want to, I don't want to pursue. I want to be pursued. And then we couple that with these mindset beliefs like, well, online dating doesn't work or there are no single guys in my area. I live in a small town. There's no one that I work with that I'm interested in. There's no one in my friend group that I'm interested in. And I love, in in one of the last chapters of your book, you talk about getting together with your group of friends and getting creative Mm -hmm. about dating. And I would love for you to kind of unpack that, if if you will, because you kind of talk about, you know, it takes a village. And we say that in all these other areas of our lives, but with dating, we think, well, if God doesn't drop a man from heaven, then I guess I'll be single forever. (laughs) No, and I think too, so when I was in college, I remember this woman came and like spoke on campus and she, her name is Dr. Carrie Cronin. She left such an impact on my life. And I was there because I was writing an article for the school newspaper. I didn't actually like plan to go to the lecture, but I have not stopped talking about it since it happened. And she, um, she was a teacher at, uh, Boston college and she had a course for dating and you would go into this course. You would have to like, your assignments were like asking people out on dates and taking them out on dates and like properly dating. And she created this course because she went around campus and she was asking students like, Hey, are you dating? Are you dating? Are you dating? And everybody was like, no, I'm not dating. And she's Mm -hmm. like, what are you, what are you doing if you're not dating? And she, they were like, oh, we're just, we're hooking up, you know, Mm -hmm. like that became hookup culture is so rampant that I think a lot of people don't even know how to date anymore or like how to treat one another. And so that was how you would pass the course was by going on real dates and following through and not ghosting people. And like, That's always stuck with me because I think that a lot of times like we make excuses as to why we have like such a botched up view of Mm -hmm. dating. And I think we honestly have to have some higher standards here, right? Because like if you want something, like don't settle for something that's less than that. And like that doesn't mean like have like expectations that no one can meet. But at the same time, like we're here and we say we want to be asked out. We say we want to go out on dates. And yet we're the ones that are like, well, I don't like him anymore. I'm just going to ghost him without mm. an explanation. And so I have a friend named DJ and he really, really, really wanted to date. And I write about this in Fighting Forward that like 
we went on Twitter and basically found a girl from my followers who was willing to go on a date with him. And then we kind of just like, we're like, okay, like let's make this an experiment in like how to date well, much like that course. And we, we helped him craft messages. We helped him like, you know, pick out like, where were they going to go on their first date? And like, we didn't ever like edit him in the sense of like, that's not who he really was, Mm. but like, we just were like, okay, like, what does this look like with follow through and intentionality? And like, he showed up at that first date with like flowers. He had some of like the sweetest ideas. And like, he would end every date by just asking like, Hey, like, would you be willing to like hang out again? Would you be interested in that? Rather than like this game of like, Hey, I'll talk to you soon. And then like a day goes by and two days goes by and then the person like resurfaces. And so we really just kind of took a bunch of best practices and um, created this dating experience. And in the end, like she started to ghost him and he really wanted to be done at that point. He's like, okay, she keeps making excuses. She doesn't want to be with me clearly. And I was like, you need to finish this well. You need Mm -hmm. to finish this how you started this so that you can look back and be able to say, okay, I did that situation well. I showed up to that situation and I I at least gave it my best effort and my best try. And so like he confronted her and they had a conversation about it and they were both able to walk away being like, amicable about the split rather than like creating some ghosts that now you're terrified to run into that person. Like if you ever see them in target again, you know? Um, and I don't like, it's like, I don't think we'll all have like these perfect dating experiences, but I also think too, like in my own story, like our first date was amazing. Our second date, I was pretty certain I was never going to go out with him again. Like I was certain of it because he took me to a concert, which I don't like music, but he didn't know that. But um, the concert was at 8 p.m. Wait, you don't did. like music? No, I know. I don't so even weird. understand what that means. <laughs> I'm not a music person. Like, I don't <laughs> listen to music, like, ever. Like, ever. Um, except for Christmas music. So I don't okay. know what that well, says you're, about me. You're not a total monster. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm like, oh my gosh. I don't even, like, I just, well, if I don't like music, like, I... I definitely don't like concerts, you mm-hmm. know, like mm-hmm. I don't yeah. understand concerts. I want to be home. I'm a homebody. And Lane has never met a concert that he didn't love. <laughs> so he was so excited for this date that he picked me up at 2 p.m. The concert didn't start until 8. Um, and you run out of things to talk about at that point, right? <laughs> You're on your second date. You can't just like open up like and tell them everything. And so I just remember getting to like 11 p.m. and being like, get me home. Like, (laughs) what was that? Like, I can't, I can't talk to this guy for 10 hours. And I thought because it didn't fit that mold of like, we talked for hours and we never ran out of things to say that like it meant I wasn't supposed to be with him. Mm. Um, And so I started to try to ghost him. I will admit that I kind of slowly but surely like lessened my responses in text messaging. And I just remember I was having a girl's night and he knew this. He was very strategic about this. He sent flowers to the door of the house while I was having a girl's night so that I would show them to all my girlfriends. And all of my girlfriends were like, Hannah, you have given so many duds a third date or a fourth date. Like you are going out on a third date with this guy. And I agreed. 
And the third date was the date that I was like, okay, yeah, I'm going to marry him. Like I knew. Really? Yep. So I, that's where I think we have to be like careful to like give people the benefit of the doubt. Like they might be really nervous on the first date, Mm -hmm. like, or like the second date might not go as planned, but like, you have to like, I think, get to know somebody to realize if you want to be with them for the long haul. I definitely think there are some people that you'll meet and you'll be like, nope, that's not it. And that's okay. But like in the Christian world, we talk a lot about this idea of like dating to marry. And I Mm. think it's important to have intention, but I mean, I needed to go on those dating apps to figure out how to date and to figure out like who I liked and what, like, who I wanted to end up with. And I don't think I would have figured that out had I not dated some guys that were probably not the best for me or just, it didn't turn out right. That's so, that's so good. And I think just, you know, deescalating that pressure. And, and I also like how you're talking about finishing strong. And I mean, even you're admitting, okay, I was kind of ghosting him. I mean, I've been (laughs) ghosted and I mean, it's just, I've been ghosted many times, but I have also found myself wanting to avoid that conversation at times as well. And so I'm just curious in just in, in the vein of finishing strong, I, I love in your book, you, you mentioned John Acuff, I think his, he wrote the book start and then he was like, wait a second, I got it wrong. People don't need to learn how to start things. They need to learn how to finish things. So he wrote the, his next book finish. And I think that's so, I think it's super profound. And so what, what would you say, how would you ask for closure if you feel like you're being strung along? If you're the one that's being ghosted, breadcrumbed, phased out, whatever you want to call it. And then how do you give closure if you're not feeling it? Well, I think, okay, so like, I'm going to address the you're not feeling it first, mm-hmm. because like, I think that's where you kind of have to like put your big girl pants on, right? And mm-hmm. just be like, okay, like, I don't want to do this thing. But like, I also know that like, I want to be somebody who finishes well. So like, I'm going to end this, however this looks to end this. But the thing is, like, I don't think all closure comes in the form of like meeting up in a coffee shop and like talking your feelings to death. Like Mm -hmm. I used to think that's what closure was. And now I realize like, no, 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 no. Like if I'm always waiting on that other person to give me what I want, like that's not closure. Like that's me still being on the hook, you know, Mm. that they built for me. And so I think that we can give ourselves closure and that we should. And I remember like, my assistant, she was going on dates with this guy. She really liked this guy. And then he ghosted out of nowhere, just ghosted. And like, she'd sent multiple texts. He wasn't responding at all. And she was really hurt by it. And she decided to craft a message to him. And it didn't matter if he responded or if he said anything back, that message was for her more than anyone else. And she wrote this beautiful response just to say like, Hey, I just want to let you know, like that really hurt. Like I enjoyed going out on dates with you and this and that. And this isn't for me, but I want to say this for whoever it is that you end up with, that you don't do the same thing again. Mm -hmm. And like, she sent it and she let it go. And like in this case he actually did respond and he thanked her for sending that message Mm -hmm. but I think that like she had to take some time and some distance and then she had to realize like the expectation was not that he would respond yeah the expectation is that she was having 
the final word in this. Like she was able to say, no, like I deserve better than this. And I just want you to know this Mm -hmm. for future reference, because I think we could so easily say like, I'm going to send this in the hopes that he's going to respond and he's going to realize what he missed out on. And then we're going to be together, you know? And it's like, that can't be the expectation. The expectation is that you deserve to move forward. You don't deserve to be haunted Mm. by ghosts. Oh, absolutely. And do you know Matthew Hussey? That name sounds really familiar. He's like the Tony Robbins of relationship coaching. Okay. okay. Um, He's British, very cute. But he talks about closure and his whole thing with closure. And I agree with him. And I also agree with you is he says we become so obsessed with closure when if a person's ghosting you, you have closure. <laughs> yeah. It's, well, why would I ever want to be with a person that yes. is dropping me? Or why would I ever want to be with a person who doesn't know what they want? And so I think I've definitely, I actually, I dated my neighbor. This has been years ago now. Uh And my next door neighbor was ghosting me. Oh, gosh. And I finally texted him and I was like, you got to be out of your ever love of mind if you feel like you're going to ghost me when we live next door to each other in Brooklyn, New York. I said, hop outside real quick. Yes, and girl. He, he came outside because I do think, you know, we're adults. Let's have adult conversations yeah. in mm-hmm. person if you can. If it's only been a few dates on the phone, yes, at least yes. if if I feel like last resort for me is text just because I think so much can get lost in translation. But I said something similar to what your friend said as as far as like, hey, I'm not doing this because I'm trying to win you back. Your actions have already shown me that this is over and this is actually not a relationship that I want to be in. However, this is how it made me feel. That made me feel really small. It really hurt my feelings. I felt really disrespected and you're better than that. And Mm. I would, I would hope moving forward that you wouldn't, you wouldn't do this again. And it actually ended up being a really beautiful moment. And he's, he actually started crying And said, oh, my gosh, I cannot tell you how many women I have done this to. And I never knew that it even phased anyone. Wow. He said, thank you so much for telling me. And so I, I felt really empowered. I was grateful that I did it. But I so I agree with what you're saying. And then on the other hand, I also think as women, especially, we want to control the situation. We want to have the last word. Mm. And sometimes I ask myself, do I really need closure here? Because Mm. I think I already have my answer. Yeah. I mean, totally. And I think too, that that's the weird thing with like, the world that we live in with technology is that like we found a way to not have to have these awkward, uncomfortable conversations, mm. right? Like where it's so, to me, it's so interesting that he cried, but like, I'm also like, yeah, because we find a way to just never have to face people face to face. And like, my mom is, my mom was so big on this, um, about like, there are some conversations that do need to happen face to face so that you can see the look in somebody's eyes when you say something, you mm. know, or like when you, when you say something that hurts somebody and you talk through it, like that's what we're missing with like technology Mm. Um, that like people deserve that. I think at the end of the day, when I think about ghosting, I just think about like keeping people's dignity intact Mm. because like 
when when he did that, that guy that you dated, he did that to multiple women. He probably didn't even realize like the gravity of like what people may have chosen to carry moving forward because of that instance, you know, that the trust issues that manifest or the ways that we show up to the next relationship. And so for me, that response is more so like, okay, like that person deserves a response. We all deserve a response. It doesn't mean we'll always get it. Mm. Um, But preserving people's dignity wherever you can. Growing up in the height of the purity movement, I knew this much. Good Christian girls and boys don't have sex until marriage. But approaching 30 and thrust into the New York City dating scene, I found a set of rules was not a compelling enough reason to keep my pants on. Caught between purity culture's rules and pop culture's do-it-feels-good philosophy, I began a multi-year journey searching for answers to the biggest questions about sexuality and faith that I had. Like, what does the Bible really say about sex? Is my sexual desire sinful? Is my body bad? Why does almost everyone I know deal with some sort of sexual shame? And really, what's a single woman to do with her sexual desire? It turns out the more I started asking these questions and being honest about them, the more countless women around me told me they were dying to ask the same questions, but just didn't know they had the permission to do so. I believe God desires to restore a generation disillusioned with purity culture and Christian dating, discouraged about their singleness, ashamed of their sexual desire, and uncertain how to practically walk this season out well. Enter in what I am so excited about, my very first book, Sexless in the City, a sometimes sassy, sometimes painful, always honest look at dating, desire, and sex. It is available now for pre-order on Amazon and Barnes & Noble and anywhere that you can pre-order your books online. Or you can go directly to bit.ly slash cat, that's B-I-T dot L-Y slash cat, K-A-T dash sexless bit.ly slash cat dash sexless to pre-order your copy of Sexless in the City. And when you do, email me a copy of your receipt to social at therefinedwoman.com and I would love to send you some exclusive pre-order goodies. Thank you so much for being on this journey with me. One more question, just because I'm curious and I I love the details. Mm -hmm. Um, You said that with DJ... You went on your Twitter, and yep. what did you do? Did you just post his picture, do a blast? No, we did completely blind date, like completely blind date. So okay. we just, I mean, obviously it wasn't blind from our end because we knew like what they looked like, but we didn't give her any information on him. We didn't give him any information on her. And we just, I went on to Twitter and I think I said something like, Hey, like I, we have a friend that we want to set up on a date. Are there any girls in Atlanta that'd be willing to basically try out this blind date experience, you know? And we vetted them. Like there were a bunch of girls and we just started asking them questions. We came up with like creative questions. Like it was a dating show. And this girl ended up just like, she was a super sweet girl. And like, we got her all the information. And, um, I think though, I'm pretty sure that we didn't even like, we set it up hardcore blind date of like, 
They couldn't look up anything about each other. They didn't know each other's names until they met. Like it was pretty hardcore. We were really into it. (laughs) I love that. And I think what's what I love about what you guys did is if I zoom out, I see, first of all, it takes courage and vulnerability as a man and as a woman to say, hey, I really want to meet someone. This Mm. is a priority to me and I'm having a hard time on my own. Can you help me? Yeah. I mean, I think that is such an incredible thing that he did as a first step because I, I wonder all the time, why do we feel like we have to do this on our own? Is it the individualistic Western society we live in? Like, why do we think we are the captain of our ships. Why not go to a group of friends and be like, hey, do you want to ask people on your social media if they want to go on a date? I mean, why not? And, And I think we also live in a time where we have so many other options. We have access to Zoom, FaceTime. And whereas I think before it could have been harder to even if you met someone that was perhaps long distance, that's easier to do. So when people are like, online dating doesn't work, I don't know anyone, people never set me up, (laughs) Mm. whatever the narrative is, I really think it takes like what you and your friends do getting out of the box and getting in community and being willing to be the first person that says, Hey, I want this. This is a priority to me. Will you walk with me? Yeah. Yeah. You're so right. I'm like, I don't know why we don't ever say that or like Mm. why in all the time that I was single, I felt so almost like ashamed to ask like, Hey, do you know anybody Mm. that like might be interested in dating? Like in a lot of ways, I feel like it's not just like the online dating. It's just like being single in general that like Christians turn into a very taboo thing. And that like, it bothers me because I don't think like in any way, like your singleness is like a curse or like a season that you're just waiting to get over until you meet the person you're meant to marry. Like Mm. this is your life. Like this is what's going on, you know? And I remember that like, I met this guy and it was like, this was right before I met Lane that I was dating this guy and it was all the things like all the perfect elements of a story, you know, like meeting in a coffee shop Mm -hmm. and like he left me a note with the barista and like all of these great things, except for at the, at the end of the day, we wanted different things. Mm -hmm. We were not compatible and like, it just wasn't meant to be. Um, but I remember in that time after we broke up, like something just switched inside of me. Like this light bulb went off of realizing like, wait a minute, like I'm not even like, I'm not acting like the person that I want to be right now. Like I, I don't even know that if I met somebody right now, like I would know how to put my best foot forward. And I spent like the next, um, the next month really getting back to myself after that relationship, you know, like kind of getting back on the same page of like, what are the foods I want to be eating? Like the workouts I want to be doing. I started a workout group in my community, like with all these girls and we would like meet up at like 6am and do workouts together. Like I started getting back to what was me because I realized I had an issue with always becoming whoever the person I was dating wanted me to be. And I wanted to be on unapologetically me when I met Lane. And I feel like I had that blessing of like 
getting to invest in myself, which you only get to do when you're single and then getting to meet him and realizing, oh, wait, like I'm not looking for this person to, to fill up pieces inside of Mm. me or to like fill in for lack. Like this person compliments me and together we can be a really awesome team. But like, I bring a lot of amazing things to the table. Hmm. That's so good. And, and even just kind of along those lines, kind of, you know, wrapping up here is, I just feel like I could talk to you so long. Um, so towards the end of your book, or no, I think this is I think this is chapter six actually. Um, you talk about being in a place in your life where you're. My take on it was that you're running ragged. You on the outside everything looks great, but on the inside you're like WTF, like I am exhausted. <laughs> and you talk about going to this conference and they have you lay down. And imagine what your life is going to look like in five years, which, by the way, I eat that stuff up. <laughs> you do? Yes. I you were like, I hate it. it. <laughs> I was like, what is that conference? Can I go to it tomorrow? Um, <laughs> but you kind of you talk about getting to this place where you realize my life doesn't look anywhere close to what. I would want it to look like five years from now. And even if I met someone right now, I don't even think I have space in my life for that. So Mm. I guess my question is, what do you, what do you do? What did you do when you pause and, and, and notice there's a really big chasm between what I say I want and how I am living? Mm. Well, I think that, yeah, that was a huge wake up call for me because I I didn't even realize that's like what I wanted. Like I thought I was living my dream and like I was speaking all the time. I was writing books. I was doing all sorts of TED stuff, like all this stuff, like the world had taught me like, okay, this is what's impressive. This is what matters, you know? And I realized that like I hadn't created any kind of space for someone to even come in and like be willing to date me you know Mm. like it's it doesn't work if I'm constantly like well I'm busy and I don't have time and like oh I'm busy woe is me and like that's a perspective shift of realizing like you built this life that Mm. you're living right now so like it's not you're not the victim in your life and I really had to start looking at the pieces of my life and I had to start making some more space and for me that started with being able to be honest with my community and like be there for my community, actually physically show up for my community. And that looked like, you know, going and like being the single girl that could babysit for my friends or showing up at people's front doors and like utilizing the season that I was in to be there and be present for my people, because that would mean that I had space to do that for somebody else. And I had to stop living this life that always looked like grab a suitcase and go and figure out what it was like to like have real roots because Mm -hmm. turns turns out that's what I wanted. I didn't even realize it. Like the guy that I dated before I moved to Atlanta, like right before this conference, like he was everything that I wanted on paper. But the thing was that he, I always say like, I wanted a suitcase and he wanted a life. That's what it was. And like, he was ready to settle down. He was ready to get married and have babies. And all of that was beautiful, but that wasn't me. Mm. And it took me some time for me to realize, like, I actually like 
there was nothing wrong with what he wanted. We actually wanted similar things and it was okay that it just wasn't, we weren't it for one another, you know, but like, I had to have this reckoning inside of myself of like, okay, like he did the hard work of like planning down roots and building a life that he could be proud of that could welcome somebody else into it. And I need to do the same. I need to make that space so that when the right person comes along, I'm available. I have Mm -hmm. capacity for them. And that's always been my number one priority when it comes to Lane is making him and now our daughter like they're the biggest priority in my life. Like they are my number one, no matter what comes on the table, no matter what work I have to do. Like they are the number one and you have to fight for that all the time. But like, if you know what the main thing is, then you can keep making it the main thing. Yeah, man. I just hearing you say that and hearing your story, I just think so much of my time in New York City, I've been here for over seven years now. And I never, I never, ever thought, first of all, I never, ever thought I would be a business owner, let alone run two businesses. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> I never thought I'd write a book. Uh, and so I say that because there are so many dreams that I didn't know that I had that I am so grateful for. And being in New York, just being here, existing here has given me so much opportunity. I, I say often New York, living in New York is, is like being at the right place at the right time all the time, if you're ready for it. Yeah. Yet in that, I, I realized in the last year with the pandemic, when the world shut down and jobs slowed down, that I almost felt this bitterness towards New York because I felt like I've been here for seven years and I Mm. really want to be married and I really want to have kids. And why aren't you giving me this thing that I want? And I, whether it was God, my intuition or whoever, I, I, the response that I got was New York never promised you that Mm. you go to New York to build a business, to make a name for yourself. And it's been interesting. And and I've done that and I'm grateful for that. Yet here I am now really in a place of reprioritizing, you know, where I want to be in five years from now, I'll be 40, which I'm like, I can't even comprehend that. I still feel like I'm 21 and I love boy bands, (laughs) but I'll be 40 and I want to be married and I want to be married to the love of my life. I want to have a toddler, maybe be pregnant with my second kid. I want to have a slower life. I want to have peace in my body and spirit. I want to have passive income so that I don't have to work as much. And as as the world slowed down and I finally had space to think of what it was that I really wanted and where I was headed, it's really allowed me to see I'm New York hasn't done anything to me. Mm. Like you were saying with your own story, I haven't had the space in my life for a lot of the things that I have wanted, even though with my mouth, I would have said the whole time, the real thing that I really want is the relationship, but my actions spoke differently. Mm, yes. Oh my gosh. It's so true. Making space for that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, and finding little ways in which you begin to make new priorities, like the the priority really, you know, it's okay that I always tell people like, it's okay to shift directions and change and decide you want something different. Like 
that vision completely caught me off guard. And it was terrifying because I was like, well, I know how to build in this direction, but I don't know how to build in this direction. Like that takes a lot more faith on my part, you know, but Mm. gosh, I started, I started imagining and envisioning like you just said. And like the life that I live here in Atlanta is like the life that I always wanted, but the life that I probably would have just missed like a ghost ship if I hadn't gotten honest with myself to say, this is what the world thinks matters, but like, this isn't what you actually want. Oh, absolutely. And it's good stuff. Taking responsibility Mm. and making, like you said, the little ways to shift the priorities, starting small. Um, Yeah. Hannah, I so appreciate our conversation and I'm just really grateful for your story. I love your book. I think I read about half of it today. Oh, thank you. (laughs) It's really good. I cannot wait for people to read it. Fighting Forward. Where can people get it and how can people stay in touch with you? So you can find everything at hannahbruncher.com. There's a page right there for Fighting Forward and you can get Fighting Forward on Amazon, bookstore, shop local, support indie. Um, The book is Fighting For It and it's available January 5th. Amazing. Well, thanks so much, Hannah. Okay. Thank you so much. Man, I just really enjoyed that conversation with Hannah. What a gem of a human. One of the things that stood out to me most in our conversation was the idea of finishing strong. And she, she mentioned it in our conversation, but I wanted to read you a quote from her book talking about this concept. She says, when we leave a story too soon, we sometimes end up scripting an ending that isn't true. And it isn't usually a favorable one. I think sometimes out of fear and insecurity, we stop ourselves from fully being invested in the story that we're in, being present to the end. So as we end today's episode, I just want to charge you in whatever season of life you are in, to stay with it, run your race, and finish strong. All right, talk to you next week.